Welcome to the VU Church Podcast. Today, Pastor Rich Wilkerson Jr. concludes our collection of talks. This is VU. Focusing on the value, passion is our pursuit. In this message, my faith was built for this. Our faith isn't built just in difficulty. It's built for difficulty. Let's lean into the message together. Well, today we are finishing and concluding. Someone say, aw. Some of you are like, yes. No, um, we, we're finishing an eight-week collection entitled This Is Vu. This is us. And we've been going through the values of our house. And the very first Sunday, eight weeks ago, I kicked it off talking about live your values. And then every week since then, our team and myself, we have been preaching about the different values that make up Voo Church. There's seven to be exact. And today I get to finish with our seventh value. I wasn't scheduled to preach today. I was scheduled to preach last weekend, but some of you heard I lost my voice on Sunday morning. It was the strangest thing. I don't think the devil controls our voice box, so I'm, a, I'm not gonna blame him. I'm gonna give credit to God. <laughs> but it was a strange thing where I was scheduled and ready to preach and my voice went out, but thank God my wife she stepped right up. And how many of y'all were blessed by her last week? I mean, just, she got done preaching. I was like, I'm gonna lose my voice every Sunday. That's, that's way better than what I ever could have done. Uh, but I'm pumped because today I, I am, I'm on the roster because I wanted to preach to us one more time before we got to conference. And I wanna preach around our seventh value, passion is our pursuit. And so this is one of those kind of sermons that maybe you're used to being quiet in church. Maybe you're, conservative and maybe you're very sophisticated and maybe you're very righteous and eloquent and elegant, but this is the Sunday that I give you full permission. I demand that you lose your ever loving mind in God's house because we are a passionate group of people. Any passionate people in the house? One Sunday, we're just going to gather and just cheer the entire sermons. That's what they're doing in heaven right now. They're cheering. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty all day, every day. It's what they're shouting. Today, we're gonna bring heaven down to earth. Acts chapter 16, let me read quite a few verses for you and let me set it up. It says, once, starting in verse 16, once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled, another translation says he became annoyed. He became so troubled that he turned around and said to the Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in and attacked against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. 
After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, someone say about midnight. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, everyone say suddenly. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in the house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into the house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave, go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial. Even though we are Roman citizens, and threw us into prison. And now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No, let them come themselves and escort us out. Paul is a savage. The officers reported this to the magistrates and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. Look at verse 40. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and encouraged them. Ain't that something? Spent the whole night in prison, beaten, attacked. When they came out, they went and found the church and encouraged them. Then they left. And I wanna preach today on our last value, passion is our pursuit. And I wanna use this portion of scripture. And I wanna preach a message entitled, my faith was built for this. My faith was built for this. Uh, this word passion, it actually comes from the Latin word to suffer. Isn't that something? Um, today, maybe you're in the room or maybe you're watching online and you, you are wondering, what am I actually passionate about? I think a simple way to discover what you're passionate about is to simply ask yourself the question, what am I willing to suffer for? Because that will tell you what your passion is going towards. Uh, recently, uh, I, I took a, a little trip. My brother-in-law was turning 30 years of age and he asked for some of his family and friends to go on an all-inclusive trip to Cancun, Mexico. And it sounded beautiful uh, upon the invitation. I was excited. Uh, we had been getting all of our Cancun attire put together, uh, as many linen pants as I could find. And uh, we, we were ready. We were, we, were, we were ready for the trip to go to the all-inclusive resort, totally paid for, totally prepared. Everybody was ready. Uh, when we landed in Cancun, 
it was a monsoon. I'm not talking about like, I'm not talking about like gray skies. I'm talking like buckets of water falling on you. We finally got to the resort and how many y'all know when you plan a vacation, you get there and it's that disastrous, everyone keeps speaking faith the whole time. It's gonna pass, you know. It's, I'm sure tomorrow is gonna look better than today. Friends, for four days, it was like judgment upon all of us. I was literally asking the group, who, who here has hidden sin? Let's, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, just, let's just discover it now. But how many of y'all know when you prepare for a trip like that, when you pay the bill, how many of y'all know any moment that there wasn't lightning in the sky, we were all in the pool? Even with it raining, we said, we're not gonna miss this trip. We have been preparing for this. We are passionate about this. Jump in the pool and swim. We already paid for it. <laughs> we, we tend to be passionate about things that we value. I value this. I've, I've paid for this. And so therefore, I am willing to suffer for it. Rather than look at the word passion like a feeling, we need to change our brain today and look at passion like a decision, a decision to persevere. What are you willing to persevere for? Every believer and every Christian and certainly every church must make a decision. What are we willing to suffer for here at Vu Church? In many ways, the last seven weeks, that's what we've been talking about. We've been saying we have these values. We value the message of Jesus. We value all people. We want to build a church where all people feel welcome. We value generosity in a world that would say, be stingy and hold back. We're going to keep pushing forward. We're going to prevail. We're going to persevere. We're going to be a generous church. We're going to be an excellent church. We're going to be an honoring church. We're going to be a church that values serving. How much are you going to value those things? We're going to value those things, and we're going to persevere. We're going to do these things even when it hurts because passion is our pursuit. I could be up here all day just testifying about the men and women who are passionate at Vu Church. I always kind of like those Sundays. It's a bittersweet as I say this because how many of y'all know when it rains really hard, we're, we're coming into the month of June now here in Miami and all of you who, who've never been to Miami, they're watching online, you're like, oh my goodness, it's summertime. I'm gonna go to Miami in June, mistake because you never know when it's gonna rain. I mean, it's like, it gets scary in June in Miami. And I don't like it when it rains on Sundays just as a pastor, because I know it's gonna deter people from coming to church. It's gonna, it's gonna kind of, you know, hurt the attendance. But there's another side of me that loves it. There's another side of me, because I love to see who's gonna show up even in the rain. And one of my favorite people to encounter when it's raining at Vu Church is the parking team. Because how many of y'all know, you got to be real passionate to show up at 8 a.m. in the morning in the midst of a rainstorm and say, welcome to church. Can I help you find a parking spot? But it's that type of passion that I say I want to follow. It's that type of passion that becomes attractive to me that says, I want to be a part of somebody who says, this thing means so much that I am willing to suffer. See, I really believe that if we're gonna have this type of passion in our church, it always comes from this word that we're gonna need, which is faith. Everyone say faith. faith. We're gonna need the faith to follow Jesus. 
I think many times if we're not careful, we will misinterpret why God gives us faith. We think that faith is to get stuff. Simply put, faith is given to you by grace, that God gives you grace. He loves you first. And then as you believe in him, he grants you faith. You put your trust in Jesus. Why does he give me faith? Is it to get stuff? No, he gives us faith to follow Jesus. Because what you must understand about being a Christian is that you're gonna need faith to follow Jesus because many times Jesus will lead you into places of suffering. I think this doesn't get taught nearly enough in God's house. I think that we have been living in America and I'm grateful that I live in this nation, but this is a nation full of blessing. And sometimes blessing leaves us not stronger, but it can leave us weaker. And many of us, we have become so comforted and coddled by the many blessings of this first world nation that we don't understand how the church of Jesus Christ has advanced and moved forward. It has not moved forward from comfort to comfort. It has moved forward with men and women that would say, I am so passionate about this mission. I am so passionate about this gospel that I will do whatever it takes to advance it. I need faith just to follow Jesus. That where he goes, I want to go. How many you know that following Jesus, sometimes he will lead you right into the valley of the shadow of death? Like, just read the Bible. Like, I wish I could escape it, but it's all over the scriptures. Men and women who were following Jesus, who were led right into suffering. Moses was led into the wilderness. Joshua was led into battle. Isn't that something? The, he, the three Hebrew boys were, were, were led into the furnace. Joseph was led into a pit. He was led into the prison. He was led into the palace. Daniel was led into the lion's den. Stephen was led into a killer mob. Peter was led into prison. Paul, the apostle, he was led into many false accusations. James, the brother of Jesus, was led into beatings. In fact, he was led into being martyred. The disciples were led into storms. This word passion, it really, when it first gets its English definition, simply meant the crucifixion and the death of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus was led to the cross. He was so passionate about you. He was so passionate about me that he said, I will suffer even unto death that you might find life. Come on, somebody. Can you go ahead and thank Jesus today that he said, I will give my life that you might find your life. I will suffer that you might find freedom. We've got to understand as a church that if we're going to be a people who are passionate, if we're going to pursue passion, what it really means is that God give us a faith to follow you wherever you lead us. Let us not back down from opposition. Let us continue to follow after you. I think one of the things I'm learning at 38 years of age is that I've got um, to stop taking every attack that comes my way so personally. I think many times when, when life is going challenging for us or when we find ourselves with roadblocks or challenges, maybe you're here in the room today 
you've been following Jesus for a while, I, I think my word of encouragement also mixed with a challenge is stop taking it so personal. How many of y'all know like um, the person who doesn't get tackled in the football game is the person who's not playing in the game? Dudes sitting on the bench are watching. They don't get tackled until they enter into the game. And what all of us in this room need to understand is that the enemy, he doesn't just really actually hate you. Certainly he hates you, but it's far deeper than that. It's that when you decide to follow Jesus, he hates God more than he hates you. And what's taking place in your life is that when you choose to follow Jesus, what you're doing is, is you're getting up off of the bench and you're entering into the game. And the very fact that you get tackled in this life is not a sign that God has left you. Instead, it's a sign that you're actually in the game of faith. You when we first started this church, we had this little motto. And once again, this entire collection is not an attractional collection, it's a formational one. But we had this little phrase here at Voo Church, it says, into the night. What that was all about and what that still is all about is that we wanna be a church that plays offense. This song, upon this rock, I will build my house and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Gates are a defense mechanism, meaning the church of Jesus Christ ought to be so effective offensive and on the offense, so pervasive that it's literally getting all the way up to the defense mechanism of hell, snatching people out of hell and bringing them in to the light. And what I didn't know in my naive self at 30 years of age that I am now discovering at 38 years of age is that you can herald into the night, but you better understand that when light enters darkness, darkness has one of two options. It can either let the light invade the night and it can be illuminated and truth can set the captives free or, someone say or, or the darkness can fight like hell to snuff out the light. And what I want you to know is that more times than not, the latter occurs, that the darkness does not back down very easily, but instead the darkness comes and swings at you. But rather than take it so personal, instead, when you start going through hell and high water, tell yourself, this is not about me, but this is about the God on the inside of me. It is not about the attack, it is about the assignment on your life. The only reason why the enemy continues to mess with you, the only reason why you keep getting pushed backwards is because there is a great assignment on your life. And just because you're being attacked does not mean that God isn't working. It's not a sign that he's left the premises, it's a sign that God's presence is in your life. It's the presence of God on your life that's leaving you being persecuted. It's the light on the inside of you that leaves you so often feeling like darkness is surrounding you. It is the assignment of God for your life that the enemy would say, I must stop it, I must contain it. And here at Voo Church, as we face obstacles and as we face challenges, I am reminded that this is the assignment of God. It's amazing because I've been doing this long enough now to, to watch and I start to see the clues. 
And we have uh, an incredible conference right on the horizon. We are preparing for it. Thousands of people gonna gather in Miami. It's far beyond just our local church. It really is a gathering for the global church where men and women are coming from all over the world. They're gonna be equipped and empowered. They're gonna be encouraged. But can I just tell you that this week alone, if I started telling you the stories that have happened on this team alone, it is not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence that right now our good friend Greg Burgess, who's on this staff, is watching church online from a hospital bed because yesterday he started having pains in his stomach and he had to stay overnight. It is not a coincidence that yesterday a staff member on our team was hit by a car, but she's still standing, she's still walking. None of these things are a coincidence. None of these things are happenstance. All of these things are an attack of the enemy. But the only reason why the enemy is attacking the house is because there's a great assignment on the house. And so when I feel the opposition, I don't back down. I remind myself, my faith was built for this moment right here, right now. Come on, somebody, if you believe it, give God some praise. My faith was built for this. God, give me faith to follow Jesus. It's built for this. This is why God gives you faith. He gives you faith for the valley. He gives you faith for the trial. He gives you faith for the sorrow. He gives you faith for the backstabbing. He gives you faith for the betrayal. My faith was built for this. Notice I didn't say my faith was built in this. My faith was built for this. So Rich, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say that you need to have faith before the challenge. It's built for, not in. David didn't get faith facing Goliath. He had faith. Daniel didn't get faith in the lion's den. He got faith in his prayer closet, seeking God three times a day with his windows open. So therefore, when he found himself in the lion's den, he could say, my faith was built for this moment. I got faith to follow. Blue Conference is coming up, and I'm excited about it, but I'm gonna be honest with you. Faith, people are gonna grow in faith, people are gonna increase in faith, but we need to have faith long before VU Conference. We need to live life every single day behaving in the same manner that we are right now with a conference coming up. Like, God, my faith is built for this. My faith is built for this. And as I'm thinking about this word passion, and as I'm thinking about this word suffering, I, I just read the stories of the men and women in the Bible, and God, I want that type of faith. God, I wanna... I wanna look like them. God, I want to follow you despite the challenges. God, give me a faith that lasts. Give me a faith that will follow you. And Acts chapter 16 is just a beautiful illustration of what we're talking about today. You see Paul and Silas who are so passionate about Jesus that they don't give up even in the worst types of persecution. They understand that God's given them faith to prevail, that they love Jesus so much that they're willing to suffer. The scripture says that in Acts chapter 16, just try to get the picture of who these guys are, what's going on in their life. They've both encountered Jesus. Uh, they uh, have begun to form their faith. And now the apostle Paul is teaching and preaching and Silas is on the journey with him. And as they get to this particular place, they're preaching, but there is a young girl who is demon possessed. And the scripture says that this young girl, she continues to follow uh, Paul and Silas everywhere that they go. 
And just imagine for a moment, everywhere that they go to preach, she's following them, and she's possessed by this demon, but as she's possessed by this demon, she is shouting out loud to the crowds as they're preaching, these men know the way to eternal life. And I was reading this week because this girl, as we discover in the story, she's working for some businessmen that are exploiting this bondage on her life. She has this power, it's supernatural, to tell the future. So these men are exploiting her bondage, if you will. Nothing new in 2022. We see this happen all over the place, that people exploit one another. Even their darkness gets exploited. And she goes around and she tells people their future by uh, another spirit, not, not of the spirit of God. But as Paul and Silas are coming by, she starts following them and she's heralding out loud, these men are telling the way to eternal life. And the scripture says that as she's doing this, Paul gets so troubled. In fact, my favorite translation says he gets so annoyed with her speaking up that he finally looks after her after a few days and casts the demon right out of her. And as I was reading this, I was thinking to myself, why is Paul so annoyed? Um, yes, this girl is possessed by a demon, but notice she's giving the truth. Like she's, she's co-signing. She, she's like a good promoter, you know? Hey, you know me, I'm the one who tells all the future. These guys know the way. Yet as she does that, Paul is troubled and annoyed and he finally casts the spirit out. The Lord spoke to me that the truth with the wrong spirit is not a help, it's a hindrance. Because this girl, although she was giving the truth, she was filled of another spirit and all of the focus and all of the attention wasn't going to Jesus, instead it was falling on her and it was a distraction. I want us to understand that as a church, we have to check our spirit, we have to check our heart. We have to constantly evaluate our motives and our intentions because we can give the truth, but if we give the truth with the wrong spirit, it's not gonna help anybody, it's gonna hinder people. Well, Rich, what kind of spirit should we have? I'm glad that you asked. The Bible's very clear what type of spirit we should have. We should have the Holy Spirit. We preached about it last week. We ought to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit fills us with a different type of character, not one that hinders people, but one that helps people. The Holy Spirit bears fruit in our life. What is the fruit in our life? It is love. It is joy. It is peace. It's patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. If you ever want to know, do I have the right spirit? Ask yourself, is my spirit full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control? Because when the spirit is moving and when I give truth, I want my motivation and my intention to be that. So she comes and as Paul casts this demon out, it's a very interesting story. She loses her power to now all of a sudden foretell the future. And because of it, these businessmen, they get very, very upset because now they've lost their product. <laughs> they've lost their ability to make a profit because this girl is no longer possessed by this demon and no longer to operate in her power. So what do they do? They grab Paul and Silas and they bring them before the magistrates of that town and they actually lie about Paul and Silas. They say, these men are preaching things that are unlawful for Roman citizens and they are making our life bad. How many of y'all know? They're lying. <laughs> in actuality, um, they're just upset because they're now losing a profit. 
And so they bring them to the magistrates and the magistrates say, have these men beaten and flogged and then throw them into prison. I want you to catch this today. You can do the right thing and be wronged for it. You can do the right thing as a believer and be wronged for it. You can be loving and still be labeled a hater. You can be gracious and not receive the mercy that you need. You can tell the truth and still be lied about. You can forgive and still be hurt again and again and again. You can be generous and still be taken advantage of. These men are sent to prison for doing the right thing, but now they are receiving a very wrong punishment. What do I want to encourage our church is that we don't do the right thing simply for results. We do the right thing because it's right. We do the right thing because Jesus saved our life. We do the right thing because we are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. I want us to be a church that would say, I will suffer for doing right. I won't back down. Even if it leads to the wrong place, I'm gonna do the right thing over and over and over and over again. Ain't that something? They're thrown into prison for setting this girl free. We can make it our mission here at Vu Church to set people free, but even in our attempt to set people free, the enemy over and over again will try to condemn and confine us. These men are taken to a jailer. The jailer shows no mercy whatsoever. The jailer puts them in the inner cell, which is really a picture of solitary confinement. And not just that, the jailer puts them in the stocks, which means that their beaten backs that are scabbed over are now bent over and the, the scabs are breaking wide open and their, their arms and their wrists are brought all the way down to where their ankles are and they are put into solitary confinement. And as they're in that prison cell, the scripture says around midnight. Someone say around midnight. It's a picture and a description of darkness. They can't see anything whatsoever. But around midnight, the scripture says that they begin to pray and sing hymns. I love this because what is our response to betrayal, rejection, hurt, pain, and attacks our response every single time is prayer and worship. Rich, that sounds kind of passive. No, 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 friends. Prayer and worship are not passive. They are proactive. They are proactive. This changes things. These men are so passionate about Jesus. They say we will suffer for Jesus. And in our suffering, let our response be prayer and Worship. I have no idea what they were singing, but something tells me they might have been singing brick by brick, day by day, building your story, grace to grace, strength to strength, all for your glory. Let me tell you something about this music. Someone said, oh, we made a worship album. I was like, I don't know if I like that term worship album. I think we're making fight music. Because in the hands of a believer, the only weapons that we carry is we hold the sword of God, the word of his truth, and we wield it and we throw it. And as we pray and as we worship, we have the power to tear down strongholds. 
This is how we fight. This is how we prevail. This is how we persevere. This is how we continue to move forward and say, I'm gonna walk out my values. Passion is my pursuit. And as I'm in the prison cell, I'm not gonna give up. My faith was built for this moment. I'm gonna sing, I'm gonna worship, I'm gonna call upon God, and he's gonna turn something around. He will turn it around. I don't know what you're up against. I don't know what you're facing today, but I would encourage you to remind yourself, my faith was built for this moment right now. My faith was built for this moment right now. All these weeks being in church, all these prayer meetings, all those crews, that stuff is not in vain. That stuff is preparing you to suffer. Paul and Silas, as they are in this hour of suffering, wrongfully accused, they start praying and they start worshiping. And the scripture says, suddenly, someone say suddenly, suddenly the earth began to shake and the prison door swung wide open and the chains began to fall off. Not just them, but everybody in that prison cell. I like that word suddenly. Because most of the time when God moves, he moves suddenly. It means without warning, without expectation. Many of us in this room, we are wasting all of our faith expecting bad things to happen. I want to remind you who you are. Your faith is not meant to be used to expect bad things to happen. Your faith is meant to be used to expect the unexpected. God can move suddenly. Anybody believe that God's gonna get ready to move suddenly in your life? Come on. Suddenly you're here. Suddenly you're set free. Suddenly the bitterness is gone. Suddenly the offense is removed. Suddenly the marriage is restored. Suddenly your child comes home. Suddenly the addiction doesn't have you any longer. Suddenly, without warning, that's the type of God that we serve. And the ground begins to shake and the prison doors open up. I'm trying to tell myself in my life, when the ground begins to shake, I don't want to curse the shaking because more often than not, the shaking is not the point. It's simply a means to open the door. Unless the ground shakes, the prison doors do not open up. And my God is the type of God that will shake you out of one season to shake you into another season. Come on. He will disrupt your life in order to direct your life. Don't curse the shaking. Thank God for the shaking. He's shaking things up for a reason. There's a purpose. There's a point. Don't take it so personal. Say, God, give me passion. Give me faith to follow. I'm going to follow you. God, let my worship touch heaven, but shake the earth. I'm believing this week that there's going to be a great shaking all over Miami. I'm believing this week that people are about to get set free. There's gonna be deliverance, that people's lives are gonna be redeemed and restored. Why? Because there's gonna be a group of people in the Watsko Arena that would say, my worship's gonna to touch heaven, but shake the earth. A great shaking. And please see it like, I'm just an old school Pentecostal boy, and so I just still believe the words on this, on, on, in the Bible. Not everybody was singing in that prison. It says Paul and Silas. I don't even know why the other criminals were there. They might have all been just in being in that prison, but just these two men of God, 
These two passionate men of God that said, even though we're suffering, we're gonna continue to pursue our values. The scripture says that everybody was listening to them sing. That's why when you come into church, those of you who've been following Jesus for a while, you ought to sing at the top of your lungs. You ought to lift holy hands towards heaven, whether you sing on key or not. Maybe not everyone in your row is singing. Maybe it's not a full house. Maybe it's been a tough week. Maybe it's been raining all week in your life. But I'm telling you what, as you start singing, people are listening. And you don't know it, but as you start touching heaven, earth starts to shake. And it's not just your prison doors that are gonna open up. It's not just your chains that are gonna fall off. People down your row, people in front of you and people behind you, people watching online right now, chains are falling off. Chains are falling off. Chains come falling off at the sound of worship. God brings deliverance because it is a weapon in the hand of a believer. And my faith was built for this. My faith was built for this valley. My faith was built for this heartache. My faith was built for this roadblock, for this amount of opposition. Opposition, this is why God has given me faith. And all of a sudden, you gotta love it, the jailer, he looks around, he sees all the prison doors open up, he sees all the prisoners set free. He starts to freak out and he pulls his sword to kill himself. Because in that day and age, if you were to lose all those prisoners, you were gonna be killed for it. But you gotta love Paul. He says, no, don't do it. We're all right here. Nobody's left. Whew. Faith to follow, but faith to forgive. Mr. Jailer, it's not just that Jesus is our message. Mr. Jailer, people are our heart. And even though you did wrong to us, and even though you abused us, and even though you gave us a sentence we did not deserve, I wanna let you know that you are not forgotten, that our God still sees you, that you still have value. We're all still here. The jailer, he falls on his knees and says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Notice, it wasn't Paul's preaching. Jailer wasn't out there in the mall. Jailer's just doing his job. All the jailer got to witness was these men pray and worship, and then he got to witness their spirit of generosity, their forgiveness, their grace, their mercy, and he says, what do I gotta do to get what you got? May we be this kind of church. May we be a church that's known for our worship and for our prayer and for our grace and for our mercy and for our gentleness and for our forgiveness and for our patience and for our love. I wanna look like that. I want that kind of faith. And the scripture says that they go to the jailer's house and they have a meal together. The entire family of the jailer gets saved. That's crazy. They all get baptized. They're at the house and the next day, the magistrates hear what happened and they go, hey, set those guys free. Those guys, there's something different with those guys. You gotta love Paul. Paul's like, nah, you beat us publicly. Yo, we got a spirit of excellence. We know how this stuff goes down. Come address us yourselves. We wanna, we wanna have a conversation at least. We're not, we're not trying to get something extra. We just want the truth to prevail. They came over and then they escorted them out. But we see these men, these men that are servant leaders, these men that are men of honor, they go to Lydia's house. And there at Lydia's house, they don't make it about them. 
they encourage the brothers, they encourage the sisters, those that are afraid, those that are trembling, saying, our faith was built for this. Our faith was built for this. Pursue with passion. I want to encourage you today. I really want to encourage you today. Because the irony of the story is that so many times in life, the enemy will try to shake us out of our position. And he thinks that if he can shake you out of your position, that he can remove your purpose. But although their position in life had changed, their purpose remained the same. Their purpose was to set people free. Sort of funny, they set a girl free and they were put in prison for it. But I love our God because the Psalmist David says, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Not he might, not maybe, the Lord will. You have a purpose. And regardless of your position, God says, yo, your purpose is to bring freedom. And I'm gonna use this prison, this position that looks so bad, so desolate, so wrong. I'm gonna use this position and this place to fulfill the purpose I have for you. Paul and Silas, you're to set prisoners free. And I'm gonna do that even though you take on the position of a prisoner. What does your position in life look like today? I would say get passionate. I would say prevail. I would say persevere. I would say pray and worship and say, God, give me that kind of faith. Faith to follow. The other day I took my sons to the mall. We were over at Merrick Place and me, Wyatt and Wild, we got onto the escalator. As we stepped onto the escalator, the escalator was broken. It was not working, it was at a standstill. And so Wyatt and I began to walk up the steps, but Wild stood right there and said, Dad, not working, not working, not working. And it was such a picture to me of what so many of us in 2022 look like. Because so many of us were going, not working, not working, not working. My life's not working. My business is not working. My marriage is not working. My circumstance is not working. My friendship's not working. Let me just father you for a moment like I did my son Wild. I said, Wild, the escalator's not working, but you're working. Your legs are working. Pick up your legs and start climbing up those steps, boy. And let me just say to our church, as we get ready to go into VU Conference, life might not be working but your faith is working. Keep on moving, keep on stepping. Don't stop now. This is Voo, this is us. We are passionate despite the rain. Brick by brick, day by day. My faith was built for this. Come on somebody, sing it out. Thank you for listening to today's message. At VU, we believe we weren't meant to do life alone. We've been created with a unique purpose and designed to live in relationship with Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to Him, we wanna create an opportunity for you to do so today. If you wanna say yes to Jesus, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I trust you with my past. I ask that you guide me in my present and I even place my future in your hands. I'm yours, Lord, now and forever. 
In Jesus' name, amen. If you made the decision to follow Jesus today, we want to partner with you in the next steps on your faith journey. Go to rootchurch.com slash online. We love you.